0: What are the secrets of those extraordinary individuals that have achieved extraordinary success? Listen to their stories, discover their knowledge bursts, make those connections. Get ready. It's time to start moving forward. John Lim here, and we're moving forward today with Nick Melvoy. Nick is an educator, attorney and organizer who is running for a seat on the Los Angeles Unified School District Board of Education. Nick is also an adjunct faculty member at Loyola Marymount University, where he teaches a course on education law. Hey, Nick, how are you today?
1: I'm doing very well. Uh, You know, we are kind of here trying to kick off our campaign in 2017 and uh, moving forward as well. So how about yourself?
0: I'm doing great, Nick. It is so awesome to have you on the show. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Well, Nick, I only covered a little bit on the intro, and I was wondering if you could share with our listeners. Tell tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your career journey. I mean, you've done so many different cool things, and I really want you to share that with Moving Forward listeners.
1: Yeah, so... I, uh, you know, I'm just someone trying to do good out there in the world. I, uh, I'm i 31. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I'm a pretty young candidate. So when I'm talking to voters and they ask how old I am, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm in my 30s. But when it comes to my, my peers, I'm still, you know in denial about where the time went. But at 31, you know, consider myself an educator, an attorney, an organizer, an advocate, began my career as a teacher uh in the inner city here in LA. Um taught in a middle school in Watts um as part of Teach for America. You know, that experience was really eye opening to me. Um had always been interested in teaching and working with kids. But really once you see what's happening in some of our inner city schools and communities, you can't unsee it. Yeah. Um, You know, I had a professor in law school, a a wonderful man named Brian Stevenson, who I encourage everyone to check out. Um, But he always talked about being a witness to injustice. Mm -hmm. And I think that growing up on the west side of Los Angeles and then teaching, you know, only 10 miles, not even away, uh, that's kind of how I I saw the beginning of my career as this witness to injustice. And that experience led me to law school, where I focused on civil rights and public interest, spent some time at the ACLU, at the U.S. Attorney's Office, and then at the White House. And came back to L.A. to uh, try to continue the work that I had started working with parents, students, kids, uh, teachers to improve our public schools. Um, And and that's what I do now. I work as a consultant with nonprofits. I teach at a graduate school. I substitute teach in LAUSD public schools. And most of my time is running for office for the LAUSD school board to control the um, 660,000 students, the 1,200 schools, the $12 billion taxpayer budget that comprises um, L.A. public schools.
0: That's awesome. Well, Nick, I, first of all, I mean, I, I love your story, but second of all, I mean, I, I've met some amazing people who have gone through the Teach for America program and they're now doing um, incredible work. I mean, yourself included. I had Jess Gartner on last year. She she went through the program here on the East Coast and is now CEO and founder of AlloView, a company that's doing incredible things with the school districts on education, tech, finance, and here you are, you know, I, I love that you have gotten your law degree. You've done so many different things, but that you've devoted your career to education. So talk a little bit about that. I mean, you know, what what was sort of the connective tissue between going to law school and, and also working in Teach for America, and now how that led you to running for the uh, school board?
1: Yeah. So I think there's often a misconception about for America that it's somehow a teacher placement organization or it's somehow trying to replace traditional teachers in our public schools. You know, it's really a leadership organization. And the yeah. idea behind TFA is how how different would our country be if everyone who was in, you know, the the hallways of power in the private sector, in the public sector, in law, and medicine and politics and business had experienced um, what I experienced had spent two years being a witness to injustice, had worked with our students, had worked with our families, had seen how much potential there was, wasted potential often, um, and how the system was was really um, keeping certain communities down like how, how different would our national discourse look? how different would our last presidential election have looked if most people had spent time in our inner city schools yeah. so you know I, I really think that when I look at alums like myself who are in law and um, medicine and business, and, and many of whom, the vast majority of whom are still in education, that this is really what it's about. So for me, you know, the thread was, was working with children. Um, I coached an under 11 boys soccer team in college. I taught in inner city public schools. I volunteered and, and now run a camp for homeless kids. Um, and it had been working in service. You know, I think that um, when I looked at my, you know, parents' generation and really my grandparents' generation especially the baby boomers coming coming home after World War II. And this, uh, you know, it was um, giving back and serving your country in, in government, in um, positions of public service was a very laudable profession. And I yeah, think that definitely. when I was graduating college in 2008, I mean, the, the biggest recruiters were the banks and the consulting firms. Sure. And it, it just seemed to me that... Um, Given how fortunate I had been in life that the, the least I could do was pay pay it backwards pay it forward depending on how you look at it um, that's what took me in the classroom and then again once once you see what's there it's hard to unsee and I just wanted to dedicate my life to making sure that uh, no matter the zip code they're born into the kids have the potential uh, to succeed which which really is kind of what the American dream is premised on
0: I love it I love it Nick because you are taking your gifts you're taking your talents and your experiences and you're really trying trying to uplift as many kids as you can to help them move forward. And that's such an inspiration. So I really appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. Well, Nick, as you know, I mean, part of having a long career, you know, no matter what track you take, sometimes you're going to face setbacks you're going to face even failures so and one of the things we like to cover on moving forward is not to be afraid of that f word that you know no matter what setbacks you may have you can bounce back from them you can pivot you can move forward in fact for some people it's a rebirth so i was wondering if you could share with our listeners was there a time over your long career where you failed where had a big setback where things just fell apart
1: you know daily i think um you know (laughs) i think uh My, uh, I have an uncle who was a jazz pianist, um, Mm. and he used to refer to jazz as, uh, you know, a series. Jazz being a series of miraculous recoveries. Oh yeah. 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 And and I think that that's actually a great metaphor for life too. I mean, especially teaching, which is by far the hardest thing I've ever done. You go in with a lesson plan, you quickly get derailed, and um, you know, every every day you're seeing, you're you're there and trying to ensure that you and your students succeed, and you have setbacks. And I think it made me really appreciate the little victories. Um, and celebrate the small things. But I will say there were there were two major lawsuits that I was involved in that we brought to try to protect kids from losing their teachers every year from ineffective teachers, making sure that our most vulnerable students had the best teachers. And both of them, we experienced initial success with one court, and then it got overturned oh, because wow. of procedural Ouch. technicality or yeah. because of the strength of the, of the status quo. and And that was hard because... You know, I was—I remember first reading about the famous Brown v. Board of Education case. It sure. seemed like, well, when the political process fails, that's why we have the courts. That's why we have a constitution. Right. That's how we protect rights. And that's what we tried to do for kids, which is bring these lawsuits that said, okay, the the legislative process is broken, and that kids are being left behind. But we can fix it in the courts. And when the courts failed us, it was hard because, you know, where do you go from there? What if Brown versus Board of Education had gone the other way? Mm. Um, you know, but but again, you regroup and um, you take uh, you know you take lessons from history. I mean, I think when I studied more about the Brown case, it was clear that that was just the culmination of years of legal work right. and test cases and different strategies, some successful, some unsuccessful. So, you know, I think taking the, the a step back, looking at the larger picture, I'll come always helped me move from. Uh, from one setback to, to the other. But I do think it is just a series of miraculous recoveries. And, you know, you know I do, like you said, I think, you know, the F word is character building. Um, and I think that, you know, the other thing that kept me going is no matter the struggles I was facing, when I compared them to my students' struggles and what they had to deal with, it was just um, incomparable. You know, the things that they they were showing up to school, uh, you know, dis- despite living in um, housing projects that were inadequately, you know, um, maintain and and, and, in very dangerous communities and coming to school ready to learn. And if they could do that every day, then I could get through whatever it was that I was dealing with.
0: Yeah. And I love the way you reframe that and being a jazz lover. I love that analogy. (laughs) It's a miraculous recovery. And that's what it should be moving forward. Listeners every day. What Nick does, I mean, being in the trenches, being in the school system, working with kids. I mean, he faces those setbacks every day, but you can hear in his voice that he's not letting that you know, stop him. And now you're running for the school board, which is so fantastic. And so Nick, that leads perfectly into my next question. I mean, having faced some of those big challenges, when did the light bulb go off for you? Or when was that moment where it all sort of just clicked and aligned for you?
1: Yeah, well, and the one thing I just wanna wrap up by saying with the the failure conversation is that one of my favorite quotes is from Winston Churchill who said that success is moving from failure to failure with zeal and enthusiasm. Ah, I love it. And I just, I think that's how I think about it. You know, when you look back at your life, it's going to be a series of failures, miraculous recoveries that you just, you know, were zealously pushing forward. So, you know, I don't... um, When did it all click? I mean, I think there were, I remember hearing a story, a parable actually by a a young rabbi that I was close with. I was in the classroom and I was having success, but I was also feeling uh, very um, crestfallen, you know, just Mm -hmm. teaching these middle school students who were reading it below a second grade level. And this rabbi had told me a parable about a group of townspeople standing by a river when they see a baby floating down about to drown. And so one of them runs in to save the baby and just as quickly another one comes floating down and then another and soon there are a countless number of babies in the river and so one of the townspeople starts running upstream and the other shouts where are you going we have to get these babies out of the river and he says i'm going to find out why they're falling in in the first place oh, Wow! you know and i think yeah. i really um empathized. And and that story resonated with me. You know, I, I do think sometimes there's, you know, maybe you look at that person, and he's abdicating his responsibility to those babies in the stream. And I do sometimes feel guilt that I'm not fully in the classroom, or I'm not fully kind of close to where the problems are. But, you know, I do believe that, the larger question is Is how do you stop the babies from falling in? How do you make sure that kids aren't getting to eighth grade, ninth grade and reading into first and second grade level? How do you make sure that we're not losing um, such a large percentage of our high school students to dropouts? And so that was it. That, that was when I decided that kind of my f- place in this fight and this movement was going to be running upstream, trying to understand the systemic issues and doing what I could um, in law, in government, in policy to, to dam up that river. Um, So that, that to me, I think is when I first started thinking about law school and political service.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's, that's such a powerful analogy. And I think for moving forward listeners, I mean, whatever you're facing, I mean, sometimes I love that. I mean, sometimes we get so caught up and it, and especially when you're in the school district, when you're working with the kids, I mean, you're just trying to do your best just to save each baby that's, that's floating down the river. I like that analogy. It's really, really just kind of sticks with you. But you saw in your heart and in your mind, I want to see what's causing this. And it really, really tracks well with uh, you know, your career journey and, and all the different things that you've done. So share with our listeners a little bit, Nick. You know, tell us a little bit about what you hope to achieve um, as a board member.
1: Yeah, so I mean ultimately it's it's to ensure that all students are successful, you know, despite where they started. You know, the greatest indicator of success in our country today is the zip code that you were born into. Mm. Um which is really I mean maybe it's unsurprising given all the talk about inequity, but it's really um, deplorable. Yeah. And, you know, kids actually from the top de- – if you're scoring the top decile of academics but you come from the bottom decile of income, you're less likely to graduate from college than if you come from the bottom decile of academics but the top decile of income. So what that means in America in 2017 is that you're more likely to graduate from college if you are dumb and rich than if you are brilliant and poor. And I think that that you know kind of flies in the face of everything I learned as a kid about the American dream and 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 economic mobility. So, in reforming our school system, ensuring that our most vulnerable students are getting the best teachers, that our our schools are accommodating the needs of today, you know, what does that mean to me? It means that schools are also health clinics, and they also are serving meals, and they're also enrichment programs, and um, you know, we're teaching kids. practical life skills as well, um, you know, ensuring that a district is not always financially at risk of being insolvent so that we're better stewards of taxpayer resources. Um, those are the types of reforms that I want to make to, again, ensure that uh, when you hit 18, when you graduate from a, you know high school, that it doesn't matter if you grew up in nine 0210, or where I taught in Watts nine zero zero two that you still have the same shot um, to succeed in life.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, they're so. I mean, it almost sounds like the same zip code, but they're worlds apart. And exactly. And, and it's 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 a beautiful mission. And moving forward, listeners, take that to heart. I mean, you have gifts. You have talents. You can make a difference. And Nick is doing that. He did that every single day in Teach for America. He's done that with his education. And now he's doing that running for the Los Angeles Unified School District. So Nick, really appreciate you sharing that.
1: No, of course, and I really appreciate the opportunity to share it, and and just you know the it, it takes a village. Um, you know, if, if absolutely my parable earlier is about townspeople running up, and, and some of them are in the water. I mean, it takes a village, and I think um, just you know I, I'm so grateful to all the support that I've received, and and I think everyone is committed or getting more committed to to fixing this problem and i'm confident that our generation will be able to succeed where where others have failed (laughs) yeah
0: yeah definitely well nick are you ready for the knowledge burst session
1: i am
0: awesome i love it i love to hear (laughs) that energy so let's get started and this is really where our guests share kind of three really inspirational or game-changing resources and tips that can really help our listeners move forward so i want to ask you i'm excited to ask you Do you have a favorite resource, and it can be a favorite movie, book, song, where I add to this cultural experience that inspired you to move forward?
1: Yeah, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is when I graduated from college, my commencement speaker was J.K. Rowling. Wow. And she gave an amazing speech um, uh, that I think now is, is being called Very Good Lives. I mean, I think it's one of the most watched yeah. commencement addresses. Yes. It's, they made it a children's book. I actually was a speaker at that graduation as well. Um, it was completely overshadowed, you know, deservedly so, by, by her. But that, uh, you know, it's on the importance of, um, of failure, and the promise of imagination, and yes. that was inspiring when it was given in, in June of 2008. And it's something I return to, you know, every month or every two, you know every two months. It's about a 30-minute speech. I encourage all of our listeners to listen to it or to watch it. Um, it really, I mean, we were talking earlier about failure. It, it really is amazing what she was able. Um, I think she refers to failure as the, you know, she hit rock bottom and that was the foundation which she used to rebuild her life and obviously Harry Potter. And then also, you know, one of the most, um, inspiring lines of that speech is she talks about, we don't need magic to improve the world because we have the power to imagine better and that that human quality of empathy is really all that's needed. And I turn to that a lot, um, and so I recommend J.K. Rowling's 2008 uh, Harvard commencement speech. It, for those it, it is events.
0: fantastic. When I was in business school, actually, at Johns Hopkins, in one of my leadership courses, uh, our professor took out the time to share two videos. One was J.K. Rowling's uh, speech, and the other was Steve Jobs' uh, graduation speech. Yeah, at Stanford. I mean, and, but those two really set the bar for – and, and they've yeah. become so iconic. And uh, we'll, ha- we'll have a link to that in the write-up. So that's a great share. Thank you so much for sharing yeah. that. Of course. Well, Nick, recommend if you have one, do you have a favorite app, website, or resource? And a resource can be anything from a to-do list to your calendar or a productivity practice that really helps you keep organized.
1: Yeah, so my practice would be, and this I started when I was teaching just because I was getting to school early to tutor and then teach and then coach and I was in grad school and there just honestly were not enough hours in the day. So what I started doing was taking my to-do list and just putting it directly on my calendar. Ah, You know, I realized that like, Yeah, you had your to-do list or your reminder. There are these great apps, but that like it was just another resource, and I was I was not allocating the time effectively. So now, when I need to do something, call someone back, write an email, write an op-ed, you know, prep prep for an interview, whatever it is, I just put it. You know, I have a a color-coded calendar on iCal, and one of them is to do, and I just put it directly on there. And so it's never, oh, I have all this stuff to do. When am I going to do it? Because I've allotted for the week, for the month. You know, this is when I have 30 minutes to do this. And, and I think that was a game changer. And is one of the reasons, despite being so busy, I'm able to keep up and keep on top of stuff is just because I allocate that time
0: productive. Yeah. I love it because it adds that extra dimension of actually breaking out the time. And it really helps not just make it a priority, but make it something that's achievable if it's integrated in your schedule, if you've allotted the time to it. So really good practice.
1: Yeah. yeah and, and I think you have to, it makes you be more honest about how much time something's really
0: you know, yeah, so. definitely. Well, Nick, I'm excited to ask you this particular question. As someone who does so much, as someone who takes on challenges every day, how do you recharge your batteries or reboot when you feel like you're up against the wall where you hit a roadblock?
1: So, I, uh, I'm i a big fan of yoga and meditation. I, I will say, I don't think I'm the best meditator. I know it's not a competitive practice. So probably, <laughs> I, I have actually, trouble I, with it too. I'm it's, still it's trying antithetical, to. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but, you know, I, I do I use Headspace. The app, and there's a oh, book right, well. um, called uh, Oh, what is, it's a mindfulness book that uh, the name will is escaping me, but will come to me um, that uh, I found useful. I, you know, I also turn to inspiration um, from, you know, I, whether it's speeches or books or uh, TV episodes. I, when I really hit a wall. Or I'm really despondent. I'll watch an episode of The West Wing, which is one of my That's favorite TV shows. shows. Yeah, I think I've seen each of the episodes in the four seasons, the first four seasons, you know, twenty or thirty times. <laughs> um, I will say too, like you know, maybe I'm embarrassed to admit this on the air, but I uh, I'm a big fan of bubble baths. Um, <laughs> and at the end of a long day, like kind of a glass of scotch and you know, pop up a. Netflix show on my iPad, and that uh, that really helps me kind of transition from day to night. And um, you know, and I was always embarrassed about that until I read a biography about John F. Kennedy, who took like two or three bubble baths a day. And then oh, I felt wow, I, I was in,
0: that. yeah, you had
1: horrible back issues, so he yeah, was that I knew. Yes, yeah, reasons, interesting. I felt that I was in a little better company.
0: So yeah, yeah well, I, I think that the, the great takeaway is that you you really do. I mean, you literally take the time to recharge to reboot you know yeah. and, and I like the I like the fact that you've shared several different practices and we'll have all of those on the write-up so great knowledge bursts Nick
1: Thank you. And, you know, I will say, and I tell this to teachers when I work with young teachers that like you can't be good to your kids if you're not good to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think especially in, in professions like teaching where they're so selfless and so altruistic that you always want to do better. But, you know, if you're not sleeping, if you're depressed, if you're not taking care of your own mental health, then it, then it's going to make you an ineffective teacher. Or, you know, I think that's true across the board. So right. yeah, definitely. I think, you know, definitely encourage people to be conscious about their own mental health and and recharging those batteries.
0: Hey, Moving Forward listeners, you can find links to many of the books and resources mentioned by today's guest, along with offers to try out Audible and Amazon Prime. These are affiliate links for which I receive a small commission, which helps the podcast and is greatly appreciated. You can find these on the write-up for today's episode at bemovingforward.com. Nick, look at yourself five to 10 years ago what is one lesson tip or piece of advice that you would give yourself that you wish you had known then so let's do a little bit of time travel your nick right now in 2017 is going to go back in time maybe five years or 10 years what would you tell your younger self
1: you know i think i would encourage my younger self to focus larger let's focus on the big picture you know focus on the larger larger picture the larger journey you know i found myself you know i was a detail oriented person which i think isn't a bad thing you know i'm a uh, Virgo and so for those who kind of buy into the uh ast- astrological uh thing you know I think very you know have some elements of OCD and just very kind of again with uh, interest in the minutia and it at times I think I spent so much time on that whether that was making sure I read every email I got during the day or every news story or uh you know and, and you step back and you're kind of Uh, not taking enough time for you maybe we're just talking about recharging your batteries or you know when i and the things that i remember of course over the last five or ten years are the 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 big things we worked on the time with friends the time with family the time with students and not necessarily that you know i read every email or i read every news story Uh um so, you know, I, I think it's advice I still try to give myself, which is just like focus on what's important, focus on the big picture. What are you going to remember in five to ten years? Um, what's consequential and what is, uh, you know, and I think that's true when you're organizing a day too. What's the needs to get done? What's the nice to get done? Um and, and try to prioritize so that you're making sure you're taking time for the things that are important.
0: So, so important, Nick. And I think that's really, really great advice. How do you think your, your younger self would have reacted to that?
1: You know, I think probably deep down I would have, uh, agreed and known that I needed to, I don't know that I would have had the maturity, um, or again, the kind of, um, the wisdom to really do it. But, you know, I think I always knew when I was again, you know, reading every email, trying to read every news article or, or every news source and trying to absorb it all in that it, it seemed maybe there was some redundancies there and that I was being a little too obsessive about it. Um, so, you know, i like to think that I would have been responsive if not, or receptive if not <laughs>
0: responsive. But I think yeah. you raised such a great point and so many of us fall into that trap of just we, we spend so much time chasing after other priorities that we don't prioritize ourselves enough. So what helped you kind of get out of that mode? What helped you? Was it, was it really just uh, the maturity that comes with age? Or were there certain things that you started doing in your life that really helped you move away from chasing after answering every email in real time and making sure that you carve out the time for yourself?
1: You know, I think, I mean, it's it's a good question, one I haven't thought of too deeply. I think, you know, I was very, very fortunate until, you know, in that until I was about 26 or 27, I hadn't experienced real loss in my life. Um, And then in the last few years, you know, when it rains, it pours and lost multiple grandparents and an aunt and um, friends, parents. And so I do think that there was some reflection there. I mean, I, I. you know, again, felt so lucky that I was close to all these people for so long. But as as I started to reflect on losses and what I wanted to, you know, when I looked back at my life, what are the things that I would be most proud of? Spending time with people who who um, we might lose, I think that's when I realized that okay, you know, reading every story on Politico or every article in the LA Times is maybe not as important as as spending some quality time with with a neighbor or a friend. Um, So I I do think it was, you know, kind of inspired a little bit by reflecting on mortality and, um, and loss.
0: Yeah, I think that and I really appreciate you sharing that, Nick. And moving forward, listeners, we have such little time on this earth. And, and I think that is a great reminder that uh, in the time that we have, are you prioritizing the people who are important in your life? And, And Nick, I really appreciate you sharing that with moving forward listeners.
1: No, and I appreciate the question. I, mean, I do think that you know spending more time and unfortunate time but at memorial services you do, you do you're you are cognizant of what are people going to say about you. And you know, I, they're not going to say, oh, he, you know, he responded to my email within 30 seconds. Or he seconds. read every at-
0: article on yeah, Politico. <laughs>
1: exactly. I mean, maybe they'll say he, he cared and he responded right, and I I right. want that to be said, but it, it's more about kind of the, the intangibles you're a good person, you're kind, you're a listener, you, you know, you spend time with people. And I think we need to be more, um, uh, aware of kind of the importance of physical time and not just, you know, internet time. So,
0: yeah, I think that's a really great reminder and moving forward listeners. I mean, take that to heart, Nick, how can our listeners learn more about the great work that you're doing about your board run and connect with you?
1: Yeah, so I hope everyone will check out our website, nickmelvoin.com. Um, we can put a link, hopefully, in the write-up. Definitely. And uh, and on there, you can check out our, our campaign Facebook page, Nick Melvoin for School Board. Email us. Um, my personal email is nick at nickmelvoin.com. And I do, despite what we were just talking about, I am still pretty good at responding to emails quickly and would love listeners to reach out. Um, connect with us on Twitter, social media. And then uh, if you're in the L.A. area, uh, get involved with our race. I mean, my election is March 7th. Um, you know, the last time we had a mayoral race in L.A., um, only 23 percent of people voted. You know, yeah. so when you think about that, despite the importance of politics, which I think we all realized over the last few months was maybe more important than we had thought, um, only you know four out of five of our cit- fellow citizens in L.A. just didn't bother to show up. Yeah. So I'm hoping that, you know, despite the my um, desire that people will support me, that they'll just support local government and and connect with their you know make an effort to know who your state senator is who Definitely. your school member is and but yeah nickmelvoin.com, best way email facebook twitter instagram snapchat or hip you know awesome.
0: that's uh, great the- and we'll have all of those on the write up and great reminder moving forward listeners as as you've seen in recent elections getting out to vote is so important you cannot take it for granted i mean it really does make the difference nick i i think that is such a great message to end on so actually that leads perfectly to my last question now this is an experiment that i'm doing so last week i i tried it with uh with joseph bonner from the just jo- joseph bonner show we had a good laugh with it it was a little bit of a challenge but i'm gonna i'm gonna try it one more time i may okay. have to change it up but using no more than two or three words what parting wisdom would you like to pass on to moving forward listeners?
1: You know, I'm going to have to go with "stay woke." Stay woke. Stay woke, which I think has entered our uh, lexicon in the last few months over the Black Lives Matter movement and just mm-hmm. this idea of stay vigilant, be aware, be ready, um, be active. And you know, I think that uh, that when I heard "stay woke," it just resonates. You know, stay awake, stay woke. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and let's all be active participants in our democracy.
0: I love it. Absolutely. Love it. Great, great way to end the show. Nick, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to share your journey and your knowledge bursts to inspire our listeners to move forward.
1: Thank you. And thanks to our listeners. I really, you know, appreciate the opportunity to share what we're doing in LA and, and my story and if people are interested in learning more or getting involved, you know, I, please reach out. I I hope to connect with each and every one of you.
0: And you can check it out all at bemovingforward.com. Nick, thank you so much. This was awesome.
1: Thanks again, John. Have a good one.
0: And moving forward listeners. Remember you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Join us next Tuesday. We've got something incredible planned for episode 100. You're not going to want to miss this. Have a great week. And remember, always be moving forward. Now it's time for you to move forward and unlock the extraordinary in you. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and Bali Solutions, LLC. All rights reserved.